It's exciting, isn't it, to think about the idea that soon we might be able to book a seat out in a, in a restaurant or a pub and eat a meal. And we're not particularly frequent eaters out, but uh, we do like a nice meal, uh, particularly on anniversaries and those kind of things. And, and because we haven't been able to do that for a while, we've kept saying, you know, well, when we can do that, you know, we'll... We'll go out and eat, and when we do that, we'll go out and eat. So we've now got quite a, a number of meals sort of saved up that we need to cash in, a certain amount of unfulfilled demand where we're going to be running out to, to eat meals. Uh, but you might, have, you might have read about, or well, seen on the TV and stuff, you know, the very real trouble facing hospitality venues as they go from sort of famine to feast. No no pun intended there. Uh, you know, what will the surge in demand be? How can they cope? Will they cope? So just imagine for a moment that you're a, you're a chef in a small restaurant in a, in a remote country location somewhere, perhaps. Suddenly the, the 12 front of house servers stick their face around the door of the kitchen and say... There's something like about 10,000 people uh, outside uh, looking for for a meal. Uh, they're really hungry, or they're about to get really hungry. And you look around on the side, and for some bizarre uh, ordering reason, you find that actually all you've got is five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh how would you be feeling at that point? You know, how would you be with that level of of responsibility? You know, what would your what would your response to the twelve servers be? You know, I'd I'd be thinking something along the lines of, well, I can do a round of fish sandwiches, uh, first come first served, and after that we're all a bit stuffed. Something like that. Well. My name's Ian. I'm one of the leaders here at Rotherham Evangelical Church. And this afternoon we're going to look at one of, uh, one of the only two miracles that are recorded in all four of the biographies of Jesus. Uh, we call those Gospels. And uh, we often call this passage the feeding of the, the 5,000. This and the resurrection of Jesus, as I was saying, are the only two. They're recorded in all those four accounts. It actually says 5,000, but it's more like 10, 15,000, because the 5,000 are just the blokes. So we don't quite know how many it is. Uh, but it was a lot. As if you're a note taker, or even if you're not, we're going to be looking at this under four headings. An innate compassion, an impossible situation, an incredible provision and the bread of life. An innate compassion, an impossible situation, an incredible provision, and the bread of life. Firstly then, an innate compassion. Look with me again there in Matthew chapter 14. You can see in chapter, in verse 13 there, that uh, Jesus has left where he was and sails over Lake Galilee to a remote and a deserted place. This seems to be because of what we read in verses 1 and 2. 
that Herod, the local king, thinks that Jesus is his enemy and, and somehow is uh, John the Baptist risen from the dead. That was that whole section that we were looking at last week on, on John the Baptist. And Jesus knows what happened to John the Baptist, right? He's been beheaded by Herod. And so Jesus wants to prudently put some space between them. However, the crowd have got a different plan. They still want Jesus to perform miracles for them. So they see the direction. He heads off, sailing across the lake, and they hot-foot it round the side of the lake. You, you may have seen on uh, Top Gear some of those features where two of the presenters decide to have some kind of race, and they're in different types of transport you know one's in a boat one's in a well one's always in a car right because it's top gear but you know one's in a boat or one's in a on foot or whatever uh it's a bit like this jesus is in the boat going across the lake and the crowd are hot footing it around the side and the crowd wins so when jesus arrives there are this crowd of, of maybe ten thousand people whatever it is now, in Top Gear, the loser is usually fairly grumpy with the other people, uh, whoever won. Not, not so much here. Jesus was quite clearly looking for some privacy and some solitude. And yet when he sees the crowd and their great need, his heart is filled with compassion. You can see that there in, in verse 14. Jesus, although he's humanly tired, is filled with compassion for the crowd. It's, it's innate, that is, it's the very nature of Jesus to be compassionate. We read it several places in the New Testament that this is what he is, this is what he's like. He is filled with compassion and so he, he heals their sick. The other gospel accounts tell us that, that he, he teaches the crowd that have come to see him. However, the day is wearing on. It says evening here. Evening is approaching. Evening can actually be any time from the middle of the afternoon at this, in this time. And nobody seems to be going anywhere. Jesus is still teaching and talking and the crowd are listening. And so this leads to an impossible situation. Our second point. Jesus has, has backed the disciples into a real corner here. And they're getting quite agitated about this. Um, in, in, the, in the original language of this, some of, this, some of these words are quite sort of pointed that the disciples are saying. Jesus is doing wonderful things, but the, the disciples are anticipating a problem. Jesus, you know, you need to think about, about wrapping things this thing up because there's no food anywhere near here. There's nowhere to get any food. Nobody's really brought much with them. And so instead, but instead of Jesus saying, oh, yeah, great point, lads. Uh, yeah, I'll just wrap this up and they can all, the crowd can all disperse. He raises their stress levels and, and, and backs them into even more of a corner. There's no need to go away, he says. You feed them. 
Verse 16. Feed them with what? That's at least 10,000 people out there and all we've got is five loaves and two fishes. Verse 17. So Jesus has deliberately backed the disciples into this position because he wants them to recognise that there is more going on here than just what they can perceive, what they can see and hear, the natural world that they are used to. There is no natural provision for this situation. However, there is supernatural provision. There is a reality beyond what we sometimes call the natural world. They are like men looking for a drink and standing in front of Niagara Falls, but just not recognising it. In front of them is the very creator and sustainer of all things. Yes, fully human, but also fully God. He has limitless resource they've already seen him turn water into wine they've seen him heal the sick they've seen him drive out demons they've 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 seen him forgive sin something only god can do when you've created the universe one meal is not going to be a problem and jesus could have just told them that He could have just told them that at the start. But he's not given them the easy answer. He's first manoeuvred them into a situation where if they really understood and recognised who he is, they know the answer is right there. And yet they haven't. So he puts them into that corner Then he shows that he is God. Then he shows that he is capable of this incredible miracle. So that the disciples can learn this lesson. Sometimes it's easier, isn't it, to learn a lesson when you experience it yourself. And not when somebody just tells you. It would be a lot easier if we just believed what people told us and we didn't have to go through the experience, right? But in this case, Jesus lets them go through this situation where they're in desperate need. They can see no other way out of it. And then he performs the miracle to show that he is God. And Matthew wants us to learn the same lesson. That's why this is here. And so Jesus does this. He, he provides this, this miracle. Thirdly, then, uh, this, this incredible provision this marvelous thing that jesus does showing that he is fully god and yet fully man let's break that down a bit and just just think about that for a moment this teaches us about his power and his authority only god can create something out of nothing. Only God can multiply our resources in a supernatural way. The very centre of this scene is Jesus supernaturally providing for the crowd. He takes control of the situation. He gives instructions. 
and then he meets their needs. Can you imagine being there for a minute, sitting on the grass, watching Jesus? He just he just takes the these uh, the, the the bread, breaks it, gives thanks to his father, and and passes it to the disciples, and it it keeps coming, it, it keeps arriving. You're sitting there, you're like. I saw it, I'm sorry, it's five loaves of bread and two fish, but, but where's it coming from? Where's it? And it's still coming, it keeps coming, coming, and more and more food. One writer says, It is impossible to reduce the event to ordinary human dimensions. It stands as a witness to the fact that God can and does supply human needs in the way he sees best. God can and does supply human needs in the way he sees best. This miracle also teaches us about the heart of Jesus. Our Lord and Saviour is compassionate. Something we might very well think was being very human. He's come here to get some privacy and to be away from everyone else. He doesn't say to the crowds, look, I just really wanted to be on my own. Can you come back next week? Or or can you go and see uh, the guy down the road somewhere else? He knows they have needs that only he can meet. And so he does by healing and teaching. Although in actual fact he's providing much more. This miracle also teaches us that Jesus provides what we need, not necessarily what we what we want. As a kid, I was a picky eater. You know, I, I didn't I didn't want to eat my greens. Mind you, to be fair, sprouts truly are disgusting, in my opinion. Um, however, with more with more wisdom, then as I and knowledge as I I grew up, I have to concede that you know that my mum and dad did a really great job of of giving me healthy and good food apart from the sprouts of course um are we supposed to think that god is bad for providing what we need and not what we selfishly want god knows what we need and that is often something quite different to to what we desire what we want in our in our human way and so he goes about providing what we need should we think he's a bad god for that or should we think he's a good god for that should we hate him for that or should we love him for that surely we have to love him for that much of our, much of god's provision for us is through through what we might consider to be the natural world the the normal way of doing things so to speak whether it's food or or shelter clothes friends health money to 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 buy clothes and shelter and all those things however some of god's provision for us is supernatural it's outside of the natural world We can have hope in this life because our God provides for us supernaturally. He supernaturally provides 
himself. So our fourth point, the bread of life. In the Gospel of John, John's account of these events, we read how the next day Jesus is talking to the crowd again. And he pulls them up. He pulls them up and he he says, look, you're just following me for the miracles. You're just following me for the food. For selfish desires. And Jesus points out that there is much, much, much more going on in that miracle that he did the day before at that point. And in in Jesus' very ministry. So we read in John chapter 6, it begins in beginning in verse 35. This is what it says here. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none for all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus himself is our greatest provision. He fulfills our greatest need. He is the bread of life by trusting in him and turning to him away from our sin. He saves us. And he gives us then eternal life and he will raise us up to live with him for eternity. If we accept him, if we accept that, that bread, if we accept Jesus. That leads us to a life spent with him eternally, to a banquet that our Messiah Jesus has prepared for us. Bread and fish at the time was the everyday food, the everyday meal that people in Galilee would eat. That banquet will be an incredible banquet that we will eat forever and we will be satisfied. If you're not a Christian here today or if you're watching from home and you're you're not a Christian, surely you can see. That there is more to life than what we can see or hear or touch or smell. What we would call the natural world. Is, is the love that you feel for people and that and the people feel for you, is that just a set of chemicals? Was our world created somehow out of nothing by nobody? If you... If, if that is your, your worldview, if that is how you see life, then you have more faith than I do, to be honest with you. Please look past what the world tells us and seek the supernatural, literally what is above the natural. 
I want to suggest to you that your greatest need is to understand how Jesus, performing this amazing miracle, demonstrates that he is fully God, fully divine, as well as having human compassion on the crowd. But if you're here and you're a Christian, if you're watching home, you're a Christian, then trust in your Saviour to meet the small needs and the big needs in your life. Some of those he will meet in very uh, sort of normal ways, sometimes supernaturally. But he will do it abundantly. He didn't just feed the crowds. There were 12 baskets left over. One for each of the apostles. That wasn't wasting food as we might see that is him providing them for these 12 folks who've been doing the serving and now now it's come to the end of the day they have something because it sounds like these baskets weren't weren't huge can you imagine seeing this happening put yourself on the side of the lake there for a minute and see that just that food coming out and you're eating it and you're satisfied. <laughs> Who is this guy who can do this? But far, far more importantly, what the disciples learnt, but what the crowd looks like didn't get, is that that is the thing is the most important thing that Jesus provides here. It's the supernatural part of this miracle the only thing that provides hope for the disciples the only thing that provides hope for the crowd the only thing that can provide hope for us is Jesus and his death and his resurrection in that we have to place our trust and in that we turn to let's pray Heavenly gracious Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to earth, to the world he had created, to live a life as a human, yes, but also to live a life showing us who you are and what you are like, performing great miracles like this. Father, help us to see who Jesus is. Father, help us to place our trust and believe in this Son of yours who died for us on Calvary, who rose from the dead three days later and now stands at your right side. Father, help us to see past the natural world around us and see that there is more. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.